what's up? My name's Kevin. Welcome to Sonic Boom. Um, today's episode, we'll be talking about production and engineering and music studios. Brought a special guest today. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, my name is Maurice Smith, a former Lewis student, a current music engineer and music producer, as well as artist. Nice, nice, nice. So uh, we'll jump right into it. Um, you said you're a former Lewis student. You started working in the studios. Um, how did that all begin? What did, What was your journey to uh, starting to work in the studios? Um, so the journey begins kind of with me first coming to Lewis, actually, because that's when I first began really doing studio sessions um, at a consistent rate. So I got into my freshman dorm and just went from there. Like I started just having people come through to record and I would charge them. I think in the beginning it was like $50 an hour or something like that. And um, I just started doing that more and more, promoting myself, having all types of people come. And it was actually really cool. Like, um, met a lot of people, really honed in some, you know, beginner basic skills. And then switching my major after my freshman year to music, that Mm -hmm. really helped. You know, because now I'm learning actually what I need to do to engineer yeah. in a professional studio, like the Pro Tools, hands-on stuff, mm-hmm. working with the routing and signal flow, stuff like that. Was it uh, mostly just other music students? Who are you bringing in? Mm, um, it started with just me recording. Then I had my friends who I met on campus record. They weren't music students. They just freestyled. And we just started making music together. Then mm-hmm. outside of that, it was probably people I went to high school with and people associated with them. Okay. Um. Yeah, stuff like that. Like word of mouth from, oh, tell, tell people that I got studio time and, you know, Snapchat. A lot of people came from Snapchat to this day. Mm-hmm. Still weird how people be knowing me from Snapchat is weird. Yeah. Um... So what what was that first step into working at a studio? How'd you how'd you hear about it? Um, did anyone point you towards that direction, or was it more you knew that's what you wanted to do? Um, <clears throat> so I knew I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Um, I just didn't necessarily know the path that I would take. At first, I thought I would like graduate and then get some type of um, internship and work in the studio for a label off the degree. Mm-hmm. But since that kind of didn't work out, um, really it was the pandemic that forced me to take that jump into the studio. Because I was doing sessions like just at a more frequent frequent rate. And then um, I even upped my price in the dorm room. So, you know, it was going decent for me. Um but then once it became quarantine situation, 
Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be quarantined to just the school, so I went and moved back home. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to see if I can find a place to record there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I just found... It was crazy because I just went on Google and I found a studio. Like, I just Googled recording studio. It happened to be, like, probably five minutes from my house at the time, which was a whole blessing. I went over there, though, and it was a sign saying that they was closed unless it was, like, an emergency broadcast. Mm. So then I called them, and they said, no, we not closed. Uh, When are you trying to come by? I'm like, uh, shoot, I don't know, just, how's tomorrow? All right, perfect. So I went by there with my dad, looked at the studio. I'm like, wow, it's a real recording studio, like multiple rooms, um, professional booth set up, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you see the stuff we got here on campus, so it's like that, but a little bigger. So I'm like, oh, okay. And then they had the big live room and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is a real deal. So then um, I told them that I wanted to just start coming in and doing my own sessions with my own clientele. And they said, that's fine. And then we spoke about a price. And from there, it was just going. Mm-hmm. Did that feel intimidating at all once you, you know, you stepped into the studio, you saw uh, how expensive the equipment was and stuff like that? Um, did yeah. you feel comfortable there? Um, it took me a minute to get comfortable for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was intimidating in the beginning because I, you know, it's it's just new. Like it's similar stuff you know how to deal with, but on a bigger scale, and it's not the same exact equipment. So mm-hmm. you like a little foreign. Yep. And it's just intimidating because now you in a bigger space. It's a little more you could control. You got a bigger room. You got a booth now. You got a camera set up that shows you outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's other people working upstairs and all around you, smoke room, all type of stuff to manage. Yeah. Then, you know, clientele, what they bring, you know. So, you because it started with just me and my clientele. But after a certain point, I did get comfortable in the studio, decided to hire me as an engineer. Yeah, um... I know we talked about this before, but I remember you mentioning that you started off as an intern before you could start engineering and, you know, having sessions and stuff like that. What was that like, interning? So the interning situation was a little different. Um, Interning happened right before. um, It was kind of a little bit before and then kind of into... It was around the same time of the studio, but it was a definitely different situation. Like, when Mm -hmm. I was interning, I wasn't as comfortable with working in a large studio. And that studio was much larger and much more professional-looking, more expensive equipment. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit more intimidating. And that's where I got probably most of my nervousness out. Because I just didn't have a choice. I just naturally just was really nervous, and Mm -hmm. I had to just face it. And I didn't do many sessions in there. I really just was um, an errand boy, I'll be honest. Like, they just had me going to the store, giving artists rides home, which that wasn't, I mean, it was what it was. Sometimes it led to good things. Sometimes it was just awkward. Mm -hmm. Um. Um, did you 
feel like that made you hungrier as a you know as a creator to want to have your own sessions and stuff like that you know starting with more humble beginnings yeah yeah it made me um really hungry to do sessions in there especially because every time that I had to actually record something in there it was when I wasn't ready or I didn't want to record that person. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just was like, man, I want to do my own thing in here. Like, I just kept feeling like wanting to bring my artist, John, my homie, John, in there. I'm like, if I could bring John in here, it'll change everything. Yeah. But I had to wait. And I didn't get to bring John into a real studio until I got to the 35th Street Studios. That's when I got, you know, during the pandemic, started mm-hmm. working. On that topic, uh, what is it like dealing with you know, maybe somebody you don't know as well or isn't like your your homie. Um, what is your like your ideal artist to work with? Mm. I mean, my ideal artist to work with is always somebody who is confident in themselves. They know what they're trying to do, like they have it written or at least memorized, and they mm-hmm. um, have a picture for how they want it to sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I want somebody who. I mean, I don't mind working with beginners, but just, like, don't be afraid. Be open to criticism and be mm-hmm. open to, um, you know, just me helping you. Don't think you know everything. Yeah. You ever ran into a time where you had to deal with, like, a know-it-all or, you know, somebody wasn't cooperating? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of times where people just rush you, you know, yeah. like in the beginning when I wasn't as fast as I am now, people are always like, come on, man, come on. Oh, this, this man, he don't know. He don't know. He ain't ready. Like stuff like that. Like it's a lot of speed type of things. And then be like people auto tune. Auto tune <laughs> is a huge issue. Man, no, nah, it don't sound right. Make it sound better. Mm-hmm. Work with it, bro. Make it sound better, bro. Like a lot of that. Like Yeah. Um, when it comes to like working at a new studio, I know you've been at multiple studios. Um, how do you adapt to working with new equipment? Is it more just over time you learn, you know, are you doing a lot of research before you go in there? What's that like? So, um, I'll say the biggest thing that's helped me is just asking questions for real. Just every time I don't know something. I just ask them, like, yo, how do this work? Um, this ain't working. How do? How can I fix this? Or can you come show me how to fix this? Or, oh, I'm trying to make this sound like this. Can you show me? You know, they all, like, the other engineers at the studios that I work at are often very helpful. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. Like, I got a lot of game from the head engineer and the general manager at 35th Street, Ali. And then I get a lot of game from Josh at the um, spaceship, like just straight. Like, I ain't going to lie, like, they put me in position to succeed. They just mm-hmm. give me sauce that I could, like, kind of pick up and start running with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, have you ever, you know, or do you think it's very important to, like, the people you have around you while you're in the studio, like you said, you know, you were uh, happy to people be sharing their sauce and stuff like that. Um, is it important for you to have good people around you when working? For sure, for sure. So, like, and to finish answer to finish finish answering your other question, um, the about the equipment, um, mm-hmm. you really just gotta pay attention. 
like just watch other people work with the equipment. So like when you sit in on sessions with engineers who are a little more seasoned than you, like just really pay attention. When you see um opportunities and gaps, just ask questions. Um, listen if they give you any type of explanations just randomly just really take that into consideration and maybe even take notes write it down just so you can practice that and implement that into what you're doing mm-hmm. same thing with the equipment like you really just gotta practice it over time you know what i'm saying like that was the only way i adapted like i'm just now getting comfortable to the um equipment in the spaceship mm-hmm. and that took probably like a couple months because yeah. you know you just gotta do sessions do sessions and ask questions and mess up and Got you. spend 30 minutes trying to figure out how to get <laughs> feedback yeah um what's the vibe like working in you know downtown chicago area mm, um it's a good vibe <clears throat> um I I enjoy it. It's a change of pace from um, working like in Bridgeport. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty close. Not gonna lie, but um, it's a different vibe. You know, got you. Like on the where I work, it's actually like a lot going on all the time because of bars and nightclubs and other studios and. It's, like, a whole different vibe. Like, in the building that I work at, it's also, like, three, four other studios. Mm. So, it's a lot of traffic, a lot of people, yep. meeting people, um, you know. But it's it's fun. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, some pretty cool people that go through there. Any um, any artists you enjoy working with or are on, on the come up you think you could shout out? Um... Uh, who can I shout out? <laughs> um, somebody who I'm really fond of working with at the spaceship so far is um, Dog Dre, my homie Dog Dre. He been going crazy. Um, me and him got at least like five, six songs together already. Mm-hmm. Um, we about to start working together artist wise, which I'm really excited about. Um, of course, my boy John, John Doe. Um, you're going to find a new project coming from him in the next couple weeks under the name Doe. Um, who else? I got to work with um, Lil Easy, so that was really cool. I saw that yeah. post you just had yeah. on the spaceship. I was looking at that. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool, bro. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, he kind of a little up there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not like I haven't worked with other people that's been up there a little bit, but... He was really down to earth and cool. And, you know, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel no way. They wasn't trying to, you know, intimidate. It mm-hmm. was more business and fun. Like Yeah. Have so. you had, like, that added pressure when it's coming to working with bigger artists? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, you know, depending on who the artist is, they think that they're so big and important. You know, mm-hmm. they... They get a little self-centered. They get a little big-headed, and then the session might go a certain way. And I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're the man. You got thousands of dollars on you and jewelry and stuff. But, you know, you know at the end of the day, yeah. it's still music. You know, it, the biggest thing is that the bigger artists just want to do whatever they want in the studio. And then it turns from not just a studio session to more they renting your room. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Like when I've been with bigger artists, they done had jewelers come in to the studio session and they got a whole jewelry meeting yeah. in the middle of the studio session. Almost not. It's like not about the music as much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not to mention all the entourages, bro. <laughs> That's probably my least favorite part about recording. Entourages. Really? Yeah. What's hey. that like? Like, every artist want to bring, like, six, seven people to the studio uh-huh. with them to record. That's unnecessary. That's want to try to act like they know something. That's going to try to act like they um need to, like, they know, like, they've been doing this or something. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then um they just be in the way. You got to take care of them as well. You got to be hospitable. You know what I'm saying? Got to mm-hmm. show them to the bathroom, to the smoke room. In and out, like they didn't just come in and out. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be interesting. And not to mention, you know, I mean, in Chicago, we can keep it real. I mean, sometimes it's a little dangerous. Sometimes people like to keep things to protect themselves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You just got to manage that. It's only been two, <laughs> like two times where I felt in danger in the studio yeah. in regards to that. And I just removed myself from the situation but, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This is a little off topic, but I was gonna say, is there like, can you notice when you know an artist comes in that's you know maybe a little bit more talented or or has a lot more experience? Can you? Is there a way for you to tell that? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You could tell a lot um, about an artist just by how they come to the studio. Honestly. Okay. Um, real talk. People who come there by themselves, a lot of times they mean business. You come to the studio by yourself, you at least I know you're trying to get work done. If you come with people, I feel like you're either trying to show off or you need validation or it's something else that you need those people for. Mm-hmm. If they're not adding to the actual musicality of the session, but um. Yeah, I mean, then it's a lot of people that, you know, they would just come in and they're dead silent. Like, you know, they might have somebody with them. And the person who's not the artist is talking way more than the artist, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, so are you new to rapping? Yeah, I just started rapping this year. How old are you? 16. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, are you, you know, have you ever recorded in the studio? No. It's my first time. All right, cool. So now I know how to approach it, you know. So mm-hmm. you just gotta, yeah. just gotta observe and ask the right questions. Yeah, I feel like uh, a big part of what you do is being very observant and you know attending to the artists because me personally, as an artist, if I'm working with an engineer that's like, you know, he's not talking a lot or not being very encouraging, like it kind of kills the vibe. You know, you want to bring the best out of the artist. So yeah, I'll be hearing that a lot. That um, engineers be, like, emotionless and, like, act like they don't care and just, like, you're just a check to them. And mm-hmm. I try my best not to be that because I, I, me as an artist, I would hate that. And then I don't want the session to feel like that. Like, as the engineer, I want it to be a fun experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I want us to have a good time. So I always try to give some type of feedback, positive feedback, even a little... You know, criticism just to help the song, you know, or mm-hmm. help the artist. You know, I don't I'm not going to just let you be in there sounding bad. 
unless mm-hmm. your sound is just bad, then I don't have a choice. But uh, nine times out of ten, I'm not going to let you just be sounding bad. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so. Um, so we're going to take a little break. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike McFerrin. I'm Adrienne Honnold, and we're music professors at Lewis University. We're very excited about our new degree in music industry. Oh yeah, this program is designed for anyone who loves music and is passionate about having a life in music. Whether you see yourself in front of the microphone, behind the mixing board, or creating tracks in Ableton, our degree in music industry is flexible and adaptable to the fluctuations that occur in the market and the industry. So check us out. Visit lewisu.edu slash music. That's lewisu.edu slash music. Speaking for me as an artist currently, it's hard for me to have time to put into my artistry. Because I'm spending a lot of time as an engineer mixing for people. And mm-hmm. um, that's mixing in the studio and outside the studio. And sometimes that outside the studio ain't for pay. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of that as well as producing for people. Because I'm trying to sell beats too. Because yep. you know, that makes good money when I can sell them. Um, so trying to do that. You know, it's not a lot of time for me as an artist. You know, I, I write a lot of music, but I just don't get to record a lot of music. Mm-hmm. But How do you find that balance in between, like, you know, your own stuff and working for other people? That's probably something I'm really working on the most, like trying to figure out, because I, I don't necessarily know the best way. I'm not necessarily happy with how it is right now. Um, right now, I probably record when I'm in sessions with John the most. Because, mm-hmm. you know, me and him might feature. Um, or when I'm coming to record with you guys or Derek or something. But. Um, are you, like, say an artist doesn't show up or could you always use the studio whenever? Now, see, that's the thing. Um, I used to use the studio more when artists didn't show up because I was paying for that time and I had yep. the money to pay for it. But now money a little tighter. So I don't have money to pay out of my pocket like that for studio time. So if they don't come, sometimes I'm just so tired from other work because I still Uber and I'm, you know, still like, you know, kind of exhausted all the time. So it's tough to like, sometimes I got to just push through and try to work. But um, yeah, it's not a lot of times that I get to record for myself lately that's why i'm trying to perfect my own recording setup at home so Mm -hmm. then i could record there more and then i feel like that'll be a lot better a lot better yeah on the recording side of things um how important is it for you to like are you do you come in there you want to freestyle or you want to write your verse like what is your working style like um I always believe in preparation. So I always come some type of prepared. If I'm not, if I don't have it written, I know I'm going to write it and then rap it, which that most likely won't be the final version of that song. But Mm -hmm. if I 
wrote it, my goal is to then memorize it. So then that's usually my process. I go from writing to memorization to recording. And if I decide to record prior to memorization, it's likely going to end up a reference for me to get it memorized, and then I re-record it. Mm-hmm. I just take a lot of time with my music because that's just something I believe in. I don't really subscribe to the microwave era like that. I do in my other lines of work, just not as an artist. Yeah, I, I, I know everybody works differently, but uh, how long does it take for you to you know, get a song through? Mm. You know, it, it used to be a lot faster. Like, crazy enough, when I first started, I used to be able to do it a song in a day, but now, I mean, if I sit down and do it, I could do the song in a day, but these days, I'll probably give it more like a couple weeks to a month on a song. Really? Especially yeah. if I'm averaging, because I got some songs that took years. <laughs> yeah, I feel that, bro. Yeah. I used to be the same way. I would, you know, try to make three, four songs in a day, and I was like, oh, that's what made me feel accomplished, how many songs I was getting out. Mm-hmm. Then you, you know, really look back, and then you look at those songs, and I be, I've like I've turned into, like, a perfectionist. Like, I want everything to be perfect and stuff like that. Yeah, so songs are taking, you know, weeks, yeah. a month, like, yeah. change, so. That's a big part, of it. big part of it for me. I want it to sound good. So I'm willing to take the time because I know things can sound better than that first time around. Yeah. How is like, um, like when an artist walks in, I know you've talked about like they want to draft right away and stuff like that. How do you find the balance into like, uh, you know, mixing the song? Like how, how hard would you work on the mix? Because, you know, eventually the goal is to put out these songs. But in a studio session, you can only get so much done in like a certain time. Yeah, it's real crazy. Um, that's that's something that I kind of don't even understand about this like time that we're in as engineers. You know, it's like, you know, it, that's why I, I kind of understand the process for major artists. That's why there's a recording engineer and then a mix engineer. Because mm-hmm. if you go to the studio and you record, that's one thing. But then if you get it mixed again... Is going to like it's a guarantee that it's gonna sound better. Yeah. Now you don't have to. You could have the same person mix it, but regardless, like if you give somebody more time with something, it's obviously gonna sound better. So it'd be tough. Like I, when when clients come in, I tell them how many songs we trying to do. They say, uh, okay, let's let's just for example, I'm gonna ask you. All right, we got a, a four-hour session today, bro. How many songs are you trying to do? I want to do three songs today. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, do you got the beats on your phone or are they on YouTube? Uh, I just I just be rapping on YouTube beats, man. All right, for sure. So um, we're going to go grab them from YouTube. So um, what I do when I record, I get all the recording done in the beginning of the session. And then at the end, I like to leave myself at least an hour to mix. Is that cool? Mm, yeah, and got you. That's how it go. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was I about to say? That hour ain't even enough for. <laughs> but I, because what I do though, what I do is I mix as I go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you gotta do that. 
If you it, can't mix as you go, you, it's gonna slow you down a lot. So you're doing you're doing both your engineering and mixing usually when oh, you're yeah. at the studio. Yeah, okay, for sure. Shoot, every time. <laughs> Sometimes they want me to not do what I want to do, and they want me to mix one song at a time, and that's cool. But you know, it's just everything that go into a mix. I say the main things that you got to do in a mix is you have to get everything sounding good. Vocal wise, then you got to make sure the vocals in the beat are level. Then you got to do your fades. Then you got to do your chops, as in drops and stuff in the beat. And then you do your um, reverbs and delays and stuff like that, panning. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you master it. Because, you know, these days they want it mixed and mastered when they leave, you know? Yeah. So. That's how I finish all my sessions off. I really, that hour is to go back, do all my delays, because that's usually the thing that take a little more time, automations. Mm-hmm. And then throw the master and chain on. That take time, because now you got to re-level, because everything sound a little different now. Yep. But you got to limit it, you know, all the little mastering things. Mm-hmm. We were talking about ear fatigue. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. What's that like, you know, when you have those long studio sessions? Follow-up question, what is the longest session you've been in? All right, so ear fatigue for me um, happens often, especially because I'm a fan of AirPods, even though I think they might cause ear fatigue. So mm-hmm. um, I say what I do for my ear fatigue is when I'm in the car on the way to studio sessions, I won't listen to nothing loud, and I won't listen to no music. Um, Like, days when I got a lot of sessions coming around, no music. Just no music outside Mm -hmm. of studio. Like, once I leave, I probably listen back to what I did. I might go to my parents' cars because they got better sound systems and play it in there just to hear it on a good sound system. But... It'd be hard to listen to music. Like, sometimes if I'm just, like, vibing at home, like, trying to, you know, de-stress at the end of the day, I might listen to some music. But um, Got you. Yeah, and then you said follow-up question was what? What was your longest studio session? Mm. Well... Well, or your average, like what's your average session like? I say the average. Well, it's a lot of two-hour sessions, and then it's a lot of uh, four-hour sessions. So those are the two most likely amounts. Two years ago, I was doing none but six-hour blocks. Weird enough, it was like, and within the six-hour blocks, I would have anything from two, um, two three hours or three, two hours, or the whole six, or four and two, like, all types of things. Never one hour, though. Minimum two hours for every session. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. The longest one? I want to say Christmas Eve last year. I want to say that, but I'm not 100% sure. But I want to say that was one of the longest ones where I was the engineer. Um, That was probably from... Maybe like five or six p.m. to like three or four a.m. 
That was one yeah. of the longest ones I engineered. The longest one I've been a part of just in the room was um about six six five six PM to five six AM full just twelve hours. <laughs> I'd be on the couch knocked out sleeping. Oh no, me, I couldn't even sleep. that was the worst part. Like I can't <laughs> sleep. I gotta actually like pay attention to the person engineering. This was when I was interning. So I had to pay attention to them engineering. I gotta help move microphones around, show people bathrooms, clean up after stuff, make sure not to mention it's all type of weed smoke going around. <laughs> so there's that going on. And then yeah, at the end I gotta help clean up. Damn, life and, of an intern. It was rough. And then I was driving uh, like an hour away, like a full hour away. Dedication. It was. I mean, you got to where you're at now, so. It's Yeah, I say it was worth it for sure to learn yeah. and to get that experience. For sure, bro. Yeah. Um, We got to wrap things up here soon, but I wanted to ask you, and I feel like this could be helpful for other people that are producing and engineering. Yeah. How how do you build up your clientele base? Like, mm. um, don't do what I did, cause what I be doing, <laughs> what I do works for me, but I'm gonna tell you what was gonna work for you. So, just post your work and put put ad money behind it. Like literally promote yourself as a mm-hmm. business and. You're going to get clientele. It's a guarantee. Like, it don't even have to be nothing crazy. If you did $5 a week, $10 a week, mm-hmm. you're going to get clientele. And you're going to be surprised. Me, what I did for my clientele, I just put, I literally put myself in a position where I could literally get clientele just given to me. Yeah. So I started off working with people through the word of mouth and through me putting myself out there. I didn't really run the ads because I was working for a studio. And what I would do is I would take the studio's clientele and I would make them my clientele. So I would say, instead of booking with the studio next time, just call me. Book me. Pay me for my work at my price. And I always up the price. I don't know. You know, like some people might be like, why do you do that? Because I feel like I'm valuable. If you like me the most out of every other engineer at the studio, I'm a premium. So I I charge higher than every engineer that I work with. Yeah. Um. You know, I was thinking about how you could have the best music in the world. Like, you know, you could put in all this time on your music, but if you don't put any time into the advertisement, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going anywhere. So yeah. it's like that's um, why I say that investing yeah. in yourself is important. Yeah, I learned it as an artist first. Like. As an artist, your music not going to go anywhere if you don't promote it. And it's the same thing as a business. Yep. All right. I think that's that's wraps. We're going to call it a wrap. Um, thank you for listening to Sonic Boom. I'm Kevin Cousins. This episode was produced by me, and I wrote all the original music. Sonic Boom is a production of the Lewis University Department of Music. For more information about this podcast or Department of Music, visit lewisu.edu slash music. That's lewisu.edu slash music. Thank you.